Welcome to Cowan Insights, a space that brings leading thinkers together to share insights and ideas shaping the world around us. Join us as we converse with the top minds who are influencing our global sectors. Hello, uh, my name is Charles Ree, and I'm Cowan's Healthcare Technology Analyst, and uh, welcome to Cowan's uh, Future Health Podcast. Uh, some listeners will recall several podcasts we recorded around Cowan's fifth annual Future Health Conference earlier this June. And today's podcast is the first episode in a new monthly series that continues Cowan's efforts to bring together thought leaders, innovators, and investors to discuss how the convergence of healthcare technology and consumerism is changing the way we look at health, healthcare, and the healthcare system. And I'm really excited that for our first guest uh, is Sean Duffy, co-founder and CEO of Amada Health, one of the leading digital health companies focused on diabetes and other chronic conditions. Uh, Sean is not only a thought leader in digital diabetes management, but also on how digital tools are changing uh, the way we manage chronic conditions into the future. Uh, so Sean, thanks for uh, joining us today. Uh, happy to be here, Charles, and honored to be the first guest. Great. Uh, so just real quickly, uh, why don't we start with a little background on Amada? Uh, what is Amada Health and what is the company trying to solve for? Yeah, happy to. So Amada Health is a digital care uh, company. Right now we um, uh, offer support for patients with prediabetes, type 2 diabetes, hypertension, uh, behavioral health, and musculoskeletal disorders. So in many ways, you can uh, really think of us as a, a digital center of excellence in those condition areas with the thesis that every single one of those can best benefit uh, on the vectors of value and outcomes with a digital first approach. And each of those condition errors requires significant depth of expertise and nuance uh, to delivering uh, on the end promise, which is a promise of healthcare that's more convenient, uh, that's more accessible, that feels better to a user and saves the money, saves money in the system. So that's, um, that is the mission we've been on uh, from day one and continue to drive towards. And, you know, and following up on that, right, um, if I remember correctly, you guys kind of started more in the pre-diabetes space, but that's really expanded over the years. You talk about musculoskeletal. I know you're, you moved into type 2 diabetes, yep. um, you know, behavioral health as well. Uh, you, know, you know, in a broad sense, uh, you know, where, where else uh, um, are you moving? And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and maybe following that, in, you know, is that following sort of the needs of where um, the buyers of Amada Health yep. are, are pushing you? Uh, um, yep, absolutely. So the, the, there's really two lenses that we use as we look toward uh, expanding in condition areas and capabilities. So um, one is what's uh, practical and will work for a person. So what are the clinical realities that someone's up against? And is digital the right solution? You, know, you have to be pragmatic about it. Amadism, you know, we're not going to be doing hip surgeries anytime soon here. Um, so there's the clinical side and what can work um, uh, and, you know, and, and save a cost and pull costs out of the system. And the second is that is what are customers asking for? Um, so, you know, primarily Omada's uh, go-to-market involves educating self-insured employers about our solution set and then primarily working with either their plans or their PBMs to deploy. Um, so that's a voice that we listen to frequently. And we found that over the past couple of years, it was very consistent on, on the asks. And it was prediabetes, type two, hypertension, behavioral and musculoskeletal is, is really the, the key that would come up the most. Um, so it doesn't mean that we won't um, uh, you know, entertain and, and uh, you know, think about other condition areas. Those are just the ones that we viewed as the critical top ones that employers need to be solved. And if they can find a, a, you know, a partner that can 
do a great job in each of those, um, uh, uh, you know, we felt that, that, that they would move toward doing that. So that's been a bit of the, uh, the strategy. You know, and, and we'll touch on obviously COVID and, and everything that's gone on this year, yep. but even prior to that, it, it seems like the uh, digital diabetes management space and uh, just digital health in general has gone through really rapid changes and um, even prior right to this year. And, uh, you know, just maybe from your vantage point, you know, what do you think some of the, the biggest changes that you've seen that's kind of mm-hmm. driven that and, um, you know, uh, yeah, maybe me start there. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's kind of a, it's, it's a beautiful thing that the world recognized that what, what had been done today was not working in diabetes. Um, and anybody who's, who's spent, uh, you know, an hour or so in the home of someone who's diagnosed with type two diabetes and ask them what their care experience is like and what their day-to-day realities are like, uh, you know, I think quickly recognizes that there's no way we're, we're going to, uh, you know, stem the tide of chronic disease with status quo. So, the beautiful thing is there's a recognition that, that, you know, something had to change. And I mean, if you look at even just the past decade of clinical progress against key diabetes care measure, there's been very little, actually an embarrassing, an embarrassingly little amount. Um, uh, if you think about it from the lens of what our country and society needs to do. Um, uh, so what's happened here is uh, a, a recognition that what was done in the past is not going to cut it for tomorrow. And there's a crisis. It's a, you know, five alarm fire here. And then secondly, consumers are starting to use technologies in new ways. Every single person, it doesn't matter demographics, uh, you know, is likely to have a phone in their pocket. Um, every industry is being expected to create digital experiences. And so innovators like Omada and our competitive set have come along and said, all right, the world's waking up to this clinical challenge that we're up against here. And there are new tools and new consumer patterns that allow us to deliver different care um, uh, that has the potential to solve some of the problems that we've seen. Um, so with that as a backdrop, though, there's a lot of excitement in this space. It is early innings. I mean, if you add up the numbers of people that have been supported from Amada, from our competitive set, um, uh, really no one's, no one's had the sort of impact that's required here for us to really see a change in the epidemiology curves. Um, so it's a, we've, we've passed the tipping point. Um, the boulder is rolling down the hill. Now it's time for it to carry its momentum forward and make a dent in, uh, in chronic disease in a big way. And, you know, as you talk about, we've hit this tipping point, maybe you can help translate that a little bit into, you know, some of the growth that you've seen so far at Amada of last yep. years. Yeah, no, it's, it's been, it's been, um, uh, you know, uh, really exciting last couple of years for the business. I mean, we don't, you know, publicly report revenues yet, but the, um, I mean, we uh, entered this year and, and crossed the thousand employer customer mark. Um, uh, you know, which was, you know, a neat, a neat milestone in the business and that's growing quickly. And I think the biggest thing for us right now, and, and the thing that we're really excited by is um, customers that are adopting, um, uh, you know, more from Amada and the, the customers that have asked, hey, would you ever consider MSK? Um, uh, we're really excited to see that, you know, we acquired, um, uh, you know, an amazing company called Fizera. Um, uh, you know, customers that had long been asking us to think about how to support their employees not just with pre-diabetes, but type two are really excited to see, you know, some of the innovation and in, in diabetes in particular, um, so much is happening. So much innovation, you know, is being done there. And we're really excited with a number of, you know, elements in progress. We've got a, a really neat partnership, um, you know, with Abbott uh, as an example um, to be Omada's, uh, uh, you know, continuous glucose monitor that we fulfill, we distribute, we integrate. Um, um, but yeah, lot, lots of innovation on all fronts. 
Yeah, maybe let's talk about Abbott. Um, you know, it's sure. been almost a, a year since you announced uh, the partnership with Abbott. Uh, maybe first, uh, give us some context around that partnership, kind of what made you decide uh, and what maybe helped them decide as well uh, to partner with Amada on the uh, Freestyle Libre. Um, yeah, absolutely. So let me let me just kind of start with the, the, the vision. So Amada, um, we, we have an approach at Amada, we tend to call it our preferred device approach. So um, if someone has a need for the device, um, uh, you know, we'll get it to them. So we have a cellular connected glucometer, um, a cellular connected scale, blood pressure cuff, and now in our arsenal is the Freestyle Libre. Um, the reason we take that approach is because we uh, want to make the setup and the integration as powerful as possible. Um, so this is not just a, oh, you know, great, your CGM data is piped in and you can see it inside, you know, the Amada app. This is, you have all sorts of insights, context. We distribute and fulfill a Libre, get it to you. Um, your coaches have all the view panes, all the insights from the CGM data um, uh, in a deep integration that's really um, a, a kind of a collective R&D effort between Omada and Abbott. Um, and then on the back end, of course, we're um, uh, you know, creating a, a lot of you know, robust clinical development plans. So um, you know, spinning up a number of research studies to, to show the power of CGM plus programs like Omada. Um, we think that there's a number of innovators in the CGM space, a number of incredible companies, and applaud them all. Um, uh, and you know, if a patient has preference, that's absolutely fine. We'll listen to it. Um, the, the reason that Freestyle Libre felt like a fit for Omada um, was kind of a combination of the user experience and the price point, um, uh, and the relevance to uh, really as broad of a set of uh, patients with diabetes um, as possible. And you know, it's under the belief that in time, it's not going to happen overnight, but in time, you know, three, four years out, um, our belief is the vast majority of uh, sugar readings as it relates to supporting someone's health in diabetes will be done uh, via the CGM landscape. So working now to set all those foundations um, uh, and make sure that they're solid foundation such that when that world comes, we're helping to lead it. You know, a lot of... I think there's a general view that we're, we're moving in that direction uh, for sure. Um, uh, when we think about uh, traditional sort of diabetes management though, right, it, it kind of sends around these kind of periodic uh, blood sugar readings. And, and when you look at some of the earlier offerings in this space, you know, it's really designed around uh, a moment in time, some type of coaching element, uh, you know, try to change your behavior and then move on. Once you add CGM into that mix where you're having continuous information coming, how does that change the model then for programs like Amada? You, you kind of alluded to mm -hmm. at the beginning here, um, you know, uh, data coming in, but, you know, kind of wrapping around a lot of other services. Um, what, what is the fundamental changes and yeah. how you deliver that service then? Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's a really big deal because, uh, you know, a, a, there's the power of the data itself. Having continuous readings of your sugar um, is meaningful behaviorally because it's a connection point. You as a participant can now see a physiological reading, which is an output of your body on a real-time basis and reflect on what you ate, your behaviors against that, and what might influence it. So it creates a neat feedback loop. Um, it's best powered by interactions with coaches. So all of our coaches are trained to interpret CGM data, the visuals and the dashboards and all of their home growth tools. Omada's built all of our care team platform ourselves. Um, uh, it creates kind of this feedback loop between coach and participant where they can notice either themselves or through machine learning insights or logic-based kind of algorithms, notice things in the data patterns that they can surface to the participant and create that elegant interaction that maximizes the value and the power. So there's a lot in the nuance on the how, 
Um, but the power of CGM is amazing because the, the, the tricky thing um, with glucometers is one, you have to, this is kind of the obvious, but you have to prick your finger. And that's A, it starts being a scary thing at first, but then it becomes um, such a negative part of your life, um, an embarrassing part of your life, something that you just don't want to do that it uh, leads you to, to be in a place where you start to just give up. You almost don't as a patient want to even do it or know what's on the other side or the reading. And then the value is tricky. I mean, there are some readings that have high utility, like a fasting reading, but the, the challenge is if you're trying to get a sense for how a meal affected you, let's say you eat the meal and you take a reading 20 minutes after versus 30, you might have a night and day different result because you're on a curve here. Uh, and you might think different things based on the result and interpret things that are real or not um, uh, because you're only getting a snapshot at a point in time. So CGM is very powerful. I think on its own, CGM is quite powerful. I think CGM is maximized uh, yeah, in the context of a program like OMADA because you can look at physiological sugar variability and help support clinical and behavioral decisions against it in a way that can lead someone to have better optimized medications, to have more controlled sugars, uh, and that foregoes uh, many of the costly aspects of, of diabetes that people face uh, as the disease yeah. progresses. Hey, and so uh, any, any surprises over the last year? Um, any kind of things that you didn't expect, um, either you know, in how uh, your, your members uh, responded or, or you know, how the you know, reception in the market, any, anything kind of jump out at you? Well, it, yeah, employers are loving it, which is uh, awesome. Um, uh, you know, participants are loving it. I would say the, um, what are the big surprises? I think it's, it's funny, it had a really cool cultural um, uh, th this, I kind of knew, I kind of, I felt the market would really like this and the participants would value it. Um, but even at Omada, it made our team so proud um, because it's so neat to be able to, you know, you're wearing a CGM, you swipe your phone with it, you see it in the Omada app, the coach reaches out. It's like the overall um, uh, orchestration made, made people at Omada feel really proud. And it, it, it's tip of the spear, it's innovative, it's kind of where care is going, it's not there yet. It's going to take time to really get to the panacea here. Um, but I would say the biggest surprise, funnily enough, it was internal. Um, it, it, it really rallied Omadans, um, uh, you know, around our diabetes solution and why it's differentiated and why we should be really proud about it in a way that um, uh, above and beyond what I expected. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously you guys aren't alone here, right? Uh, I think, you know, companies like Livongo and Descom, they've kind of, they announced a partnership a little while ago. Uh, it, it seems like this is a lot of where the, the market is definitely going, uh, integrating, uh, you know, these kind of devices to these broader platforms, maybe, uh, you know, where do you, where do you, if you, if we extrapolate mm -hmm. this then and think more broadly, you know, what, what do you think this means for uh, digital chronic care management more broadly? You know, how, how do you think about that? Well, well, I think, I mean, similar, if you use the provider analogy, like the, you know, um, if you're the Mayo Clinic, you use devices to support your patients against your principles of care and what you believe is, you know, right to be done. So I think that, um, I would hope that um, uh, a you know all companies in our space are constantly thinking about where devices are going and how it can complement their care, um, but but you know most importantly how they're going to uniquely use the data, and you know that's that's where I think we just rest on our first principles of what makes Omada special and different, and that it's a very very proactive approach, proactive program, very tight coupling and integrations between a, a diabetes coach and a CDE who knows you, knows you persistently, is the same throughout the journey. Um, uh, you know, gets to know you before you even, you know, get set up. And so 
and uses the data to generate insights that we think are Armada unique. But um, uh, you know, I think that devices will be an amplifier for the entire space here and will encourage um, even more innovation um, uh, for Armada, for our competitors, and that's great. That you know, rising tide lifts all those here. Is one of the things that you have to kind of factor in though is right once you start getting kind of continuous data coming in, not let's say just from CGM now from other devices that are constantly feeding information. You know how do you how do you work from a technology standpoint to filter that information? You know because you don't want your mm -hmm. coaches responding to potentially noise, right? Um, you know how how do you make sure you get proper signal coming out of all this yep. data? Well, well, the, the the nice thing about CGM is there is really you know you can think of it as a a less noise ridden reading where you, you can get I, I mean I've seen it firsthand um you know I've seen people say oh I tested my sugars today you know after breakfast and it was you know one oh one thirty and you know yesterday it was one thirty five and come up with a hypothesis on why and it might be just noise in the data so CGM is 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 actually less less noisy data which is great. Um, but you do need, and, and our belief is that you really do need that complement of a person um, that's leveraging technology to generate insights to support uh, you know, a participant, but helps a sanity check, helps interpret the data, um, really helps support an understanding on how behavior is influencing the data and really is there to be your sidekick as you think about you know, your journey toward um, uh, you know, uh, living more easily with a chronic disease and optimizing, uh, optimizing your, your health outcomes here. Okay, great. Let's move on topic. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people will understand, right, is, uh, you know, 2020 has been uh, an exceptional year, probably not in the way most people would prefer. Uh, but, yeah. you know, with COVID and, you know, I'm sure there's nothing, no one's ever, no one anticipated this, but uh, mm -hmm. you know, maybe maybe talk about how COVID has impacted Omada this year and, 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 and your relationship with your clients. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it's 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 been a, a kind of a, a wild journey for the whole the whole world here. And I think in you know in um, March and April, um, uh, so much incredible uncertainty. It's still a lot of uncertainty. I think what 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 happened yeah. as it relates to healthcare is uh, you know hundred million, you know hundreds of millions of Americans woke up on the same day and said, "How can I get care remotely?" Um, because they were nervous to you know show up in person. And I think that 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 at the end of the day is the fundamental. Thing that happened, um, uh, you know, people are talking a lot about the regulatory changes. All those are very, very important. But the fact that um, people have tried getting care in new ways, um, and in many instances liked what they saw, um, um, will have tr you know transformational impact on the healthcare system. Now, I think it'll settle. I don't think the you know the level of you know virtual visits and and, and tele telecare that we saw in, in peak kind of you know COVID fear moments will, will is the end state. I think it's kind of somewhere in between here. But it's pulling more and more care to the cloud. Um, and, and we've seen um, a recognition from employers that they have to offer solutions for their employees that enable care you know, in the pocket and in the home. Uh, and Omada is a piece of that. I mean, we've, we've had companies that, my gosh, have had so many market headwinds, um, you know, have had to furlough or lay off more than half their workforce um, that I had, I had kind of thought, look, they're probably not gonna be you know, customers of Omada because we're just getting to know them still close um, and still get to the finish line because they recognize that for the employees they do have, they have to take care of them and they need innovative solutions that properly bring care into their employee's home, uh, you know, to make sure to avoid, you know, the, the downstream costs and problems that are going to come, um, uh, you know, from foregoing important care, especially in the, in the realm of chronic disease.
You know, it's interesting you say that, right? So, and, and I think virtual care has been sort of one of those bright spots in the market here, um, precisely to that point, right? There's recognition that, yep. you know, even, even all this access to care is, is, is a very critical part of it. Um, you know, uh, do, do you think that might negatively impact growth next year? Like uh, kind of this pull forward effect uh, that people rush to, to get to stand up some type of virtual care this year? Because, uh, you know, just this recognition that we needed something. Uh, how do you think that kind of plays out over the next couple of years? No, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't personally think so because I think mm -hmm. it's still, it's funny. I mean, I think it's still really early innings. Um, I, you know, I, frankly, I think that people don't quite realize how big some of these companies can become because it's like, I mean, you look at even, um, uh, yeah, I mean, the percent of overall care that's delivered in the U.S., you know, uh, you know, virtually is still, is still quite small. I mean, you know, again, we talked about in diabetes, you add up our, you know, uh, participant count and our major competitors, and neither one of us have, have made really an impact in epidemiology yet. So I think it's, I think it's actually early innings. What, what I do think happens is there's a recognition that, uh, you know, you need digital care and, and, you know, I think you look at like adoption curves and this has pulled more employers and plans into a world recognizing that, ah, you, you know what, this is a must have, this is a must have, this isn't kind of a bell and whistle on top. Like this is a foundational core part of how care needs to be delivered tomorrow. And I think we'll see the acceleration of that of, over many, many, many years to come as it, as it bears itself out. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, particularly as we think about this year, right? Uh, th this year, probably a lot of people with chronic conditions, you know, probably have not been managing their, you know, illness, uh, yep. you know, effectively because of those lo that lockdown restrictions. Mm -hmm. You know, do, do you see potential for some, you know, knock-on effects really as we, as we head into 2021 then? Yeah, I do. I do. I think it's a problem. Um, uh, you know, we were looking at some data recently where um, just about 50% of people with a chronic disease have skipped some sort of healthcare, you know, visit. And, you know, I mean, we've seen it in our population where people will report to us, I really don't want to get my A1C checked. I'm nervous to go into the lab. And we're like, you know what, Those, we have some at-home kits here that we, you know, historically use for research purposes, but let's get you one. Um, uh, you know, try that out. Uh, so I, I do think that it is a problem. I think it's... Um, Kind of the headline behind the headline, not just in chronic disease, but elsewhere as well, um, where there's a lot of there's a lot of care that's likely not happening, um, and there's going to be a toll, and and you know the the goal is to you know for our participants help prevent that, of course, but you know help show the world why digital needs to be a, a critical kind of piece in um, in you know minimizing that to the extent possible. Yeah. You know, uh, how is COVID, you think, really shifting um, consumers' expectations about accessing care, right? I mean, mm -hmm. um, well, to your point, right, woke up one day, everyone found out, you know what, I can't go see my doctor. Uh, you know, what am I going to do? Uh, obviously, telehealth, big in the news these days. Yep. Um, you know, as time has progressed here, people have gotten a little bit more comfortable with it. You know, what kind of changes have you seen in member expectations, uh, for what they expect now that you know a digital experience should deliver to them mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean for i mean for us uh we've never had any in-person components to amana so it's interesting i mean we, like a lot of times people sign up with the expectations like great i'm gonna get digital support finally for the first time ever um and it's going to be continuous and longitudinal i think there was a um kind of an appreciation appreciation for that and got many of our users just reporting how, how great it felt to have you know knowing that you know you'd have support um, without having to show up in person. Um, um, and and I, I think it'll, what I think it'll do to the country 
is, is really reinforce this concept of in-person as option B, where it's not that in-person care is not important, it is, um, you know, absolutely is. But the idea that every single entity needs to ask themselves, can I solve that person's need from afar without, you know, requiring them to come in safely? And if the answer is yes, great, do it. If the answer is no, or it's the patient preference to come in, listen to it. So, um, I mean, it's funny, it's similar to like return, return to work dialogue that's happening here. You know, I think mm. you'll find folks saying like, oh, it's going to go back exactly as it was. Offices are going to be the same. You'll find folks being like, everyone's going to just be digital now. Offices won't even exist. And the reality is probably middle ground here um, where each modality has its core set of purposes and innovation in the world will evolve to what makes the most sense to drive uh, great consumer experience and efficiency. But we'll see that. We'll see that with digital care too. You know, and you say that though, but right, you see some of the third-party data. I think, uh, like a QVA or whatever, have reported, mm-hmm. you know, virtual visits have, you know, reversed, and you know, physical visits, in-person visits have jumped back up. You know, not quite to pre-COVID levels, but still pretty close. And it seems like, I mean, is that to me, it seems maybe a little bit more inertia because physicians are just so used to their office and want people to come in. Um, you know, is that going to be something where? it's going to take the consumers to really push and say, you know what, I, I don't want to come in. I want a virtual visit. How, how do you, like, what's going to get, you know, the overall healthcare system yeah. to say, you know, we need to really have a virtual component to our, to our practice. Well, I think what's going to get it is when patients demand it and providers mm-hmm. that differentiate, um, uh, you know, when market share and employers that have capabilities to support their employees like Omada, um, you know, win the hearts and minds of their employees and save costs. So it's, it's funny. I mean, um, uh, I, I, there's a little bit of a pendulum. It's hard to read in the month to month because what happens is like in a world where everyone's very, very scared to go in person, um, you know, you're, you get a lot of foregone care and then all of a sudden you get a wave of like backlog where it's like the, you're like, Oh my gosh, my tooth has been chipped for so long, but I like, I just like, what am I going to wait till like next spring to get this taken care of? I just got to do it. Yeah. So it's really the minute to minute, the minute to minute it's hard to interpret. So, um, but I mean, you, you go around the room and you ask kind of friends and family, like, you know, using my mom as an example, she only did in-person care, you know, now is doing FaceTime visits with her, her doc. She's, you know, she is a, a chronic pain patient. Um, and I ask her, well, are you going to go back? Assuming that your doctor still offer, you know, video, or are you going to drive in? And she's like, no way. Maybe like, I don't know, once or twice a year, but like, that was a 30 minute drive. And I had to wait in the waiting room. This is awesome. So I, I think you'll 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 get the consumer um, expectations to doing so. I think reimbursement, maybe not at the same rates, but will be will be enabled. And the best providers and the best companies like Omada will listen very very closely to that and try to deliver value. Yeah, and talk about Omada here. You know, has the has this experience this year changed how you think about? the business model itself, mm-hmm. uh, like how, how you're going to market beforehand. Do you see, you know, this experience changing yeah. how, how you go to market in the future? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's accelerated some things that were like, you know, we'll probably do that, um, you know, over the next couple of years. Like we, we brought in a lot of things that mm-hmm. um, either we currently have in our product or on the roadmap yet to be shared and announced. But um, it's like the, it's made the future feel closer. Um, and it's made, it's honestly made the, made the, um, the weight of that feel heavier because it's like, it's, you know, you're, um, uh, it, it's, it's really, it's almost like the, everyone wants, this has been such a horrible thing for the globe. Um, uh, everyone wants to 
try to use your own agency, your personal energy and your passions to make some good out of it. Everybody wants that. And I think in, this is one of the areas where every single CEO of every single digital health company or founder, every innovator is feeling the immense pressure to try to make some, ensure that don't like, don't let this slip, like grab this one by the reins and make sure that good comes out the other side of this. Um, Because there has to be moments of silver linings for the purpose of humanity out of this, out of this tragedy for the globe here. And I think digital, digital care is one of the ways that it can happen, but it doesn't happen just by sitting back and lying on your back and your mouth up and waiting for it to rain. You have to grab it. So I think the, um, for us, it feels like we have more of a, you know, a mission imperative than ever. Um, and we got to work harder and we got to be hungry and we got to be even more ambitious than we were before. You talked about that, maybe kind of pull forward some of the things in your roadmap, you know, maybe without going too deep into mm-hmm. it, kind of maybe some examples of, you know, you might've been looking at something and you, and you want to pull forward that because of this has changed any, any examples you can maybe provide us? Um, well, uh, well, I mean, CGM is kind of interesting because that's, that's uh, the definition of getting someone a device that can monitor from afar such that you can take action, you know, in the home and quickly and persistently. So huge investments on the product side and accelerating that roadmap and the product capabilities, um, uh, you know, some in the context of, of COVID here, a um, lot of focus on labs, a lot of focus on medication support um, uh, and how we think about meds in the context of chronic disease. And so, you know, you will have, of course, more to share on that, you know, in, in later times, but really um, bringing as much capabilities to bear, you know, as possible to make living with, um, uh, you know, chronic disease, um, you know, as easy as it can be. Okay. You know, um, one of the things I think you guys have really been good at is really uh, you know, using data and clinical, you know, clinical validated studies to kind of demonstrate the, you know, the yep. efficacy of your programs. Right. And, you know, so clinical evidence has been extremely important for Armada. Um, and certainly I think it's something that is necessary to differentiate sort of digital health companies going yep. forward. You know, last January, you, you guys announced uh, plans to conduct one of, you know, probably one of the largest uh, randomized control studies of a, di- a digital diabetes prevention tool. I, I think it's um, name study was PREDICTS, right? Uh, prevention, yep. preventing diabetes with digital health and coaching. Uh, I think it's in partnership with the uh, University of Nebraska Medical Center and Wake Forest uh, University. Um, you know, maybe give us some uh, context around the study and what the road the decision to to engage such a uh, large randomized trial. Yeah, I mean, for, I mean, it's funny for that one. Um, uh, a, it, um, we're really excited by it. It's been submitted. Um, uh, you know, so we're going to be able to and you know be presented in conference um, and then you know hopefully shortly thereafter. Um, you know, out of a peer review process here, um, uh, you know, it stands to be the definitive study in our space. Um, the, the reason we did it, we had plenty of, we had plenty of trial data, you know, um, the, the reason we did it is it hadn't been done. And, and at the end of the day, digital health is the underdog. And, you know, and I, you have to, um, now maybe that's become a little bit less so thanks to COVID, but uh, our view is that the only way to, the only way to, really get to the promised land of digital health is just to constantly publish and constantly prove such that even the most conservative, you know, medical leader and policymaker, um, you know, can look at the data and say, oh yeah, this does work. Um, so, you know, despite us having many, many trials, we hadn't done the definitive RCT because it's very, very expensive. It's many, many years. I mean, this was, you know, that works for years. It's a multiple years long undertaking, especially given that you need like a full year of data readout. Um, uh, uh, and we're excited to, that it's um, coming to the finish line, and I think it'll enable even broader acceptance and adoption of uh, of the the, rea- the clinical possibility and, and, and realities of diabetes prevention programs. 
And what I find interesting here is that the study, if I'm not mistaken, right, tracks a, a wide range of outcomes, mm-hmm. right? Not just A1C levels. I, I think it includes weight loss, yep. changes in cardiovascular risk, quality of life, uh, you know, many other things. Mm-hmm. You know, what was the reasons, uh, you know, including such a wide range of outcomes? I mean, some of these are just hypotheses. We're like, you know what, I bet, I bet by being in a program like this, it might influence that. Um, and then in a trial setting, um, uh, you know, you can kind of collect the the data, you know, needed to validate some of those hypotheses. So, um, you know, that, that's, that's kind of a, a, a big piece of it. And, you know, I mean, we wanted to take the opportunity to contribute to the literature um, in a meaningful way. And, you know, it's like, if we're running this study, like let's answer as many unanswered questions about how our program works in practice as possible. And so that led to, you know, kind of the, the laundry list that we work with our um, investigators to, to refine and pin down. Yeah, has the has the data been unblinded yet, or do you have a sense on sort of what you've seen so far in it? Um, um, we are. We'll, we'll soon be presenting it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it yep. So uh, it's been analyzed. Um, we're very very excited with um, uh, you know w- with the results, and um, uh, you know look for some news uh, soon. And and where will uh, maybe just for the listeners here, where, where will this uh, where will it be presented at? Uh, uh, um, uh, at the Obesity Society Conference. So I'm forgetting the specific date on, on when that is, but um, uh, that'll be kind of the first public unveiling here. Great. Um, you know, doing such large trials, obviously, as you mentioned, takes significant time and investment. Um, you know, how, how do you think the study changes the value proposition for the company? Um, you know, do you see that as an important dif- differentiator? And, and, and I asked this question in particular because, right, uh, Amada, uh, as a digital health kind of company, kind of falls outside of the, you know, you're not in that regulatory pathway as defined by the mm-hmm, FDA, mm-hmm. right? You don't necessarily have to, you know, conduct this, yep. and, or certainly it's not submitted to FDA, right? Um, you know, does that change the way you kind of think about the proceeding here? And is yeah, there something that you could submit, that you'd maybe, cons- is there any reason that you would want to submit? Does that, would that do something for you? Well, we, we don't, I mean, we're, um, it's kind of very clear where some you are modest sits relative to yeah. you know the regulatory infrastructure, which is more of as a provider, um, you know, and provision kind of care um, than as uh, you know what what the FDA would kind of look out here. Um, so the the big way, the big way that'll help the more the more randomized definitive evidence, um, uh, you know, the better as it relates to this destination of making it such that let's just use diabetes prevention as an example. Every single clinical guideline on the planet says. If someone walks into your office with prediabetes or diabetes risk as a, as a PCP, you should refer them to an intensive intervention modeled off foundational literature in the space. You cannot find a guideline that's dissonant. I mean, even abroad, you look at what NICE says, what the ADA says. The problem is it doesn't happen in practice. So we want to create a world where, you know, 80% plus of the time, it's just core. It's an innate medical policy benefit. You'd be crazy if you're writing a medical policy um, uh, you know, not including it based on its merits. Um, the destination for that is a long destination. The destination for that involves level one evidence like this RCT. Um, uh, so it's, it's really planting the seeds for a future where instead of leaving a doctor's office with a pamphlet, if you have, you know, prediabetes and the clinician saying, hey, you really should lose weight, you have an evidence-based program um, uh, and, and clinical service capabilities that, that are covered um, that are viewed as preventive, um, and that's done through these sorts of investments. Um, they're just really long game. I mean, you can't, um, you know, you, you, uh, there's, no, there's no shortcuts in, in the spaces we're in. Um, so you constantly have to, you know, 
imagine five years out and think of what you have to do this quarter. And this, this one kind of fits in the five year out category. Yeah. You, you know, you, you think about the, the model today, right? You, you talked earlier about you, you reach your, your thousand uh, employer customer, you know, with, with the, with this kind of data in hand, you know, is this something where you kind of go into the provider community and, and work with health systems and, you know, large physician groups to say, Hey, let us be a core part of how you deliver care to your patients and manage them um, on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. I, I do think it opens up options, uh, you know, options like that in a very compelling way. Um, uh, and, you know, I mean, for the, for the plan landscape, as you're writing medical policies, I mean, you'll, you know, ideally you'll look at data like this and be like, yeah, all right. I, I hear you. This is real. This is really working. You know, this is gold standard, you know, evidence here. This is level one evidence. It's, it's definitive. Um, you know, uh, we're kind of running on time here and, um, I want to, uh, really thank you for, you know, doing this, uh, really oh, appreciate sure. it. Um, so, you know, maybe lastly, uh, you, you kind of touched on it at the beginning, right? Um, you know, digital health, uh, Amada and others, right. Still retains such a small part of the market yep. know, in terms of what the care can be delivered, uh, what type of care can be delivered. And, and it certainly seems like I'd say this year has been a tipping point, you know, unfortunately because mm-hmm. of COVID, mm-hmm. you, you talked about your, you know, as a, as a mm-hmm. leader here at Omada and others, you need to kind of take this by the, you know, by the reins, you know, how, how do you see this playing out then for the next few years? What, what should investors um, mm-hmm. uh, look out for then? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the things um, from, from the perspective of investors um, uh, and, you know, I hope to earn the right to be thought of in this category, but the companies I think that are going to be best positioned here are the companies where you've actually been imagining this world for a long time already, and you've laid the five to six years of foundations needed to make it happen. And all the infrastructure is laid, you know, you've got the assets, you've got the growth. Um, uh, and um, if you're betting that over the next five years, we're going to see a minute by minute push to more care services be, being brought to the cloud, you've got to ask yourself, well, what are the current organizations that are well positioned to capitalize on that? And I don't think it's necessarily you're like, I'm, I'm literally in a room right now with a co-founder starting a company. I, you know, I don't necessarily think it's the existing ecosystem because you know, hiring a huge team of software engineers and designers and machine learning you know, experts is, is a heavy endeavor. Um, uh, so I think it's companies that are uh, skilled enough such that they're um, ready for that next chapter. Um, um, but um, I had this vision actually for a long time and COVID just serves as a catalyst to bring, bring forward a future that they've long imagined would come through hard work, uh, energy, um, and persistence. And obviously a lot to, a lot to look out for. And uh, it sounds like, uh, you know, hopefully Amad will be a big contributor as well. We, we hope so. We, um, we're, we um, uh, every year stay hungry. So, um, yeah. uh, you know, we'll, we'll continue that path. Great. Well, hey, Sean, uh, really appreciate you uh, joining us today. Um, really excited to have you as our first guest on, on, the, on the podcast. And uh, thanks for uh, being a part of this. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. And I uh, look forward to having everyone uh, tune in for our next episode. Absolutely. It was an honor to be here. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned for the next episode of Cowan Insights.